Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Wisconsin is coined as the land of cheese. Our license plates say America's Dairyland. But believe it or not, in other countries, we're known for other commodities, such as ginseng. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Wisconsin is the number one producer of ginseng in the nation. And across the globe, Wisconsin ginseng is known as the top quality stuff. Bob Kaldunsky is a grower from Marathon. He's been producing ginseng for 40 years. His wife's family had been growing ginseng since the early 1900s. Bob is also the president of the Ginseng Marketing Board. He tells me how things are looking in the field today. The crop's doing pretty fair, really good. We've had some pretty fair weather here. Uh, we were actually getting a little dry, and that's something we don't hear a ginseng farmer talk about too much because we like dry weather, but it was getting a little dry. The soils were getting a little warm and a little dry, and that usually is a little concern for the, for the root then. But no, it's, it looks real good. We've had a good year. Um, we've had some timely rains here. Good right now. Seed looks good, which if you want seed, that's good. The past few years, we've had some tough seed crops, too, because of early, you know, late spring frost and things like that. It's great the crop is doing well, but this was not a normal year for weather. It was a pretty dry no. winter. It was a really mm-hmm. cool spring. Were you nervous mm-hmm. at all to start the season? Yeah, in the spring, we were a little worried, but as we were watching the, the crop in the winter, you know, or the gardens, and we, we cover with straw, there's a mulch on the bed, and we've had a, it was a pretty much a constant cold. Uh, we didn't have any rain events during the winter and thawing and stuff like that and freezing. And as the spring, you know, it got late, but, you know, they just stayed, they stayed down under the straw. And then as it did warm up, then we all covered and it, was, it stayed, you know, pretty decent then. And uh, we didn't have a late season frost. We had, we had a little cool weather, but nothing that was, you know, widespread. It was uh, actually for ginseng, it was a good, a good spring. Ahead of the harvest, are you watching for any kind of issues like disease or pests? July is always a, a very critical month in, in the ginseng because um, we look for soil temperatures. We want to keep those soil temperatures as cool as possible. And July can be a time when the soil temperature can really peak and we have the peak daylight. Your diseases can really get aggressive. But then comes August and then you get your cooler nights, your daylight shortens. Uh, everything just cools off quite a bit. And usually you make it to August, you're okay. You know, you, you've made the season because uh, your disease pressure and everything seems to really settle, settle down a little bit. But July, yeah, you're looking, you know, the alternaria blights, cylinder carpet again, and, and phytophthora, something you really worry about. We have a pretty good toolbox to work with. We work with Michigan State, and they've been just fantastic as far as giving us products to, to work with, to, you know, keep our crops healthy but you know that can change too we can start having some big rains but for right now we look we look pretty good and i think it's important to note you know one of the reasons intense sunlight isn't good for ginseng is that it, it likes the shade correct so you, you know you're looking at a ginseng field when there's uh, some shade provided correct yeah the ginseng needs about a 78 to 80 percent shade is what it needs so when you're looking at a garden, you're, you're probably going to be seeing uh, plastic, a black shade structure over the top, and that's, you know, elevated seven to eight feet above the crop. And you do see some wood. It's a, it's a lat uh, structure that's, that's put up there. Then underneath that, you're going to see raised beds. There'll be like six-foot center paths through. There'll be post plastic like every 24 feet. And then you're going to see a mulch. And then if you see it, it's a, a newly planted crop, 
it'd be a one-year-old crop. They're going to be small little plants with, with three leaves coming off. As a two-year-old crop, then you're going to see taller plants, probably, you know, up to a foot tall, 10 inches. And then you're going to have two branches coming out with three leaves on. If it's a three-year-old crop, you're going to see, you know, a branch, a taller plant, 20 inches, 24 inches. And then you're going to have the three branches coming off each with three leaves. And then a stem coming up the middle with um, the ball on top. It's a seed. And it's green right now. It's really pretty when they turn, which is August, when the berry ripens. So you get that nice green and you got all the red balls, you know, you see through the, the garden. It's really pretty. Severe storms are, are a little nerving because it can take them apart and you damage plants. So once a plant is damaged, it doesn't really heal itself. So you lose that one for the summer and then it will stay around for next year and grow back, you know, a new stem on top and stuff. Another thing that's unique about ginseng too, it can't be grown in the same soil. Like Correct. twice, you can't Correct. replant the same land. Walk us through that challenge that poses the farmers know well we have aerial photos also from the county that allows us to, to see where there was uh, ginseng in the past and a lot of the people that are growing are second generations or third generation and they 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 know where ginseng was growing before on that particular property so they stay away from there if you're not certain you just don't if nobody can give you the information or you don't have pictures of it you just don't use that ground there's a lot of ground available yet. There's, there's, it's surprising, you know, we've been growing it here since, well, the early 1900s, but there's still a fair amount of land available. You know, right here in central Wisconsin and more so right in the Marathon area, we have a really good subsoil structure. So we have got a rich soil on top. It's mineral laden from the glacier deposits. And then we've got a, a split rock or granite underneath that allows good drainage. If we were to go like west of Marathon, 15 miles, this, the soil is not conducive. It's got a heavy clay in the bottom. It doesn't have drainage. Or we go north that far, the same thing. So it's really a pocket here. And then a little bit to the east, there's, there's good soils. But then we also do go in the sands. But then now the sand gives you a different rut. That gives you a longer, more carrot rut. And then that, but that rut's got a market too. It goes into the slicing market or fresh rut market. People are kind of moving around a little bit too. So some of the pressure is coming off the local uh, land and going to some of that sand land because they're going to into a different market. That's a fresh market or a slicing or a bigger carrot rut. And then you allow that crop to grow an extra year or two so you get that size. When will you be harvesting and what is that process like? Yeah, we'll be harvesting an industry harvest, uh, but the last week of September is about the earliest harvest that we start with. The majority of industry starts in October. And the reason for that is you let the, the grit uh, in the fall like the potato or any red, it grabs nutrients and it, it pulls them in and you get better, just better growth and it's just a, a nicer, solid root. And also um, in the fall, you'll get some, you get the frost or you get the cooler weather. You start converting those um, carbohydrates to sugar, which the root stores. So you get a lot nicer root. It's a, a denser root. Um, your weight's a little better on your root and it gets, it's a, there's a wrinkle that goes with the root that Wisconsin's known for in the color. And again, but the fresh root market where it goes into the marketplace, that will start harvesting in August and in September. They'll start digging that out for fresh. That's just a little different market again. We need seed. We'll, we'll harvest the seed, and that's all hand-picked. And that would start end of August, beginning of September. So we would harvest the seed, let the crop uh, grow and mature a little bit until mid to late September. Then we take all the structure down, the shade cloth or the wood, depends upon what you have. And then you scrape 
There's a, you have what's called a scraper blade. You scrape the straw off the beds, and then you go through with the harvester. It's a potato digger. Basically. It's modified potato digger. You hire people, crews to come in. We have neighbors that pick work by hand, put it in totes, and then we put it in a cooler for a couple of weeks. And we cool the rut to continue to convert those uh, sugars to carbohydrates. And then that root gets softer. It's not quite so hard. So in the marketplace, then they can process that root easier. Otherwise, Wisconsin root is known to be a firm, harder root. So then that whole process, that's a two-week process, the, the digging and the cooling, and then we put them in a dryer. And that majority of the root is dried in what's called like a kiln, the modified tobacco kilns, where you put them in boxes and then air is forced through, and you dry them down to... 10%, 9%, and then you bring them out and we go through them. It's called cruising them. So you pick out um, any blemishes. You separate what's called the fibers, got like a lot of hairs on, on the root. That that comes off and you separate those from the root. And then they're put in barrels or they're boxed. Then it's the, the Asian buyers come and they look and they purchase for their marketplace or their market that they have or the orders. You're pretty busy until through through December with everything. Has supply chain or fuel prices been an issue for you? Yes, very much so. Our costs have gone up. I don't know, I can't put a number on because it changes so much, but availability, the, the fertilizers that we use, uh, we use because our root is tested in the marketplace for residues. So we, the industry uses uh, natural organic fertilizers. So availability of those, mostly at the end, they, they came through. I don't think anybody was not serviced with any fertilizer but the prices almost doubled. The fungicides that we use, they went up about 30%. That fumigation went up 40%. Labor's gone up because everything's, you know, everything is by hand. And like weeding, you know, the, you may see weeding people in there picking weeds out because it's all hand. There's, there's no chemical uh, weeding. That labor has gone up substantially to compete with, you know, the marketplace of jobs out there. So, yes, it has been very hard on the industry. The good news is that the crop is looking good up to this point in the year. Bob Kaldunski along with us, a ginseng grower from Marathon, Wisconsin, also serving as the president of the Ginseng Marketing Board. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.